Hey, everybody. Welcome to the Mercy Talk podcast from Mercy Multiplied, where we are passionate about empowering you with biblical principles for growing in mental, emotional, and spiritual health and equipping you to share those principles with others. I'm Melanie Wise, and joining me on this episode is a very special guest, Rochelle Ashby. Rochelle is the program director of the Mercy Multiplied Wellness Center and Outreach Services in Canada, and she has been part of the Mercy family for many years. Today, we're going to be having a conversation on the topic of grief, and Rochelle's going to be sharing some of her own journey through grief and how that journey really has led her to be very passionate about this topic. Um, as she shared with me in an email before we recorded, she said, I believe that grief strips a person to an incredible incredibly vulnerable place where deep communion with God can happen and great growth if we allow it. So I am really looking forward, even though this is a hard topic, I'm really looking forward to just hearing more of her heart uh, on this topic and just glad that you've joined us. Um, it's, it's Grief is just a really strong reality for so many people right now. And if you are not walking through a season of grief right now, I have no doubt that you know someone who is. So we pray that you are blessed by this show and that it can be something that you share with others who who you may know are in their own season of grief. So thank you so much for joining us today. Well, hey, Rochelle, I am so excited that we get to have you on the podcast. This is the first of, I am going to guess many times that we will have you as a guest. So thank you for joining us. Uh, thanks for having me, Melanie. This is going to be good. I was thinking back, Rochelle, I'm like, I have known you for a long time. <laughs> When I yeah, look at, I'm like, when did we, when did we first meet each other? I got to go on like the trip of a lifetime for me a few years back, um, and I had to, I had to scroll back in my photos on my phone, which I'm embarrassed to say that I still have photos on my phone from this many years ago. But I had to actually go back to even figure out what year it was that I came to Canada, and it was back in 2016. Like. Wow. Years ago, um, that I came and we did an Empower there. That was when Empower was like first starting. Y'all got one of our first iterations. Bless you. Um, yeah, it was great. <laughs> we had so much fun. Um, and I was really excited to get to just like go to Canada for the first time. It's pretty awesome. We definitely extended that trip. We did Seattle. We did Vancouver. We did all the fun stuff. So, um, but yeah, that was the first time. I know that you and I met each other, um, and I've just been really looking forward to being able to do this this podcast with you um, because I know that this is an area that you're really passionate about, and um, it is just such a an incredibly relevant topic for our day. I mean, literally right before we started recording recording today, I just was saying, I feel like I. I feel like just grief and tragedy <laughs> is just all around me right now. I'm like, oh my goodness, it's like assaulting from every side, not just like for me personally, but for people that I know and that I love. I've just been like, what is going on? I was asking you guys, is it is it y'all too? I mean, is this just me? What's going on here? I just feel like um, there's just been so much, there's been so much loss <clears throat> over the last couple of years specifically, and not just the loss of life, but just loss of so many things. And I just feel like grief is a very um, powerful reality for a lot of people right now. So um, I'm thankful that you wanted to tackle what is a very 
challenging subject and maybe not one that is just like feel good and, you know, butterflies and rainbows. So um, I would love just to start today by even hearing a little bit from you on what it was that led you to even wanting to discuss the topic of grief today. Uh, I think I'm sitting where you are, Melanie, is that uh, I'm just experiencing it personally and then so many people in my world. Mm -hmm. So I think let's talk about Mm -hmm. it. Let's talk about the grief that we're experiencing. Let's be real. Um, Yeah. And I think that openness can create breathable space for people. Yeah. So yeah, definitely. I mean, before we really dive into things, I do think it would be good to even just kind of clarify, like I said, you know, it's not just about, I think, I think when a lot of people think of the word grief, they associate Mm -hmm. that word with, you know, the death of someone, the death of a, you know, a loved one, but there are so many things in our lives that we can grieve. So, I mean, could you even speak to that? I know even with just kind of what you do there in the the wellness center in Canada, I know you guys probably just see so much um, and so many different things in the stories of the people that you work with, um, just like examples of what that could look like in people's lives. Cause there might be pe- people listening who are like, Oh, I haven't lost anybody that I loved recently. So I guess this doesn't apply to me, but there's lots of other things that you might grieve. So could you just speak a little bit mm-hmm. to that even? Yeah, I think that uh, grief comes at us in different ways and forms. So yes, we start by thinking like family members, mm-hmm. pets, those that are close to us that we're used to being around. But I think we're looking at like grief encompasses things like a change of job, loss of financial security, loss of stability, loss of being able to plan for the future that we hoped. Mm-hmm. Um, we're looking at people have physical losses that change like their lives, I think transitions can create loss Mm -hmm. in the grief. Uh, Life not looking like we thought it was going to look. And the things, the timelines that we even have for our own lives not panning out. And so I think grief surrounds us. And sometimes it's a seasonal change for us. And we just want to kind of skip over it and be in the next one. But we Mm -hmm. have to grieve it like like properly Mm -hmm. or the way that we need to to have resolution. So Mm -hmm. that's right. You know, it's interesting as I have, you know, just even in my adulthood expanded my view of what grief is and, and what it can look like in, in various ways I've realized, Oh, I mean, I have walked through seasons of loss, like you said, in so many different ways. And I mean, no one is exempt from that. Like you said, there's so many things in our life that can happen that, that we we may not ever associate with with grief and therefore i think we can actually miss a pretty important opportunity for growth and just for health in general because if you don't take the time like you said to actually go through that process of grief when there has been loss maybe loss of a friendship loss of a diff- a season of life like you said maybe there were certain plans that you had you know, kind of in your own timeline for your life that are not coming to pass. That's, that's a loss. That's grieving, you know? And Mm -hmm. so if you don't take that time to walk out that process of grief, um, you know, that could be a real detriment to your life. And there may be things that you don't realize you have not processed yet from those seasons that will kind of come back to hurt you (laughs) at some point in time. And so I think it's so important to be having this conversations and for people to really open their minds to, you know, it may be even just an assessing of like, what are some of the things that I have 
lost? Like what are some of the, and and what could that look like in my life? And have I actually taken the time to grieve those things? Because I've seen it play out for me (laughs) in times where, where I find myself kind of like operating in this weird, unhealthy place, maybe in a relationship or in some, in my work or something like that. And sometimes I can trace it back to, you know what I never did? I never actually grieved the loss of this Mm -hmm. or that. And it's coming back now in some really unhealthy patterns in my life. And so I really think it's important for people to consider what that's looked like for them and have they really properly grieved those different things. So um, I, I would love to hear just a little bit of your own story in that. You know, when we were discussing this topic, you shared with me, you know, that you're passionate about this, but you said, no way am I an expert on grief, but I may be an expert in my own grief, you might say. And I thought that was very, very interesting. And I thought, you know what? I guess I would put myself in that same category. I'm not an expert in this topic, but I have walked through and experienced a lot and learned a lot through my own story. So um, I would I would love before we kind of you know, go into some of these deeper questions, if you'd be willing to share any of your own story and what that's looked like for you. Yeah, like I, I don't know, when you look at your life and you think that, you know, this is going to be my story, there's so much that it's a good thing by the grace of God that we don't know or we don't see, because I think sometimes I would have ran the other way, even though if you haven't read God, but um, my season or like my experience of loss really started when um, my second son was, uh, did not make it through childbirth. And Mm -hmm. so it started me on just a a wild ride of grief that uh, nobody plans to go into the hospital in labor and then Mm -hmm. to be wheeled out without a baby. And Mm -hmm. so, um, yeah, that really started my own wrestle, asking some pretty big questions about God. Um, Mm -hmm. Yeah, I told him in the hospital room, like, we're not on speaking terms right now. Mm -hmm. And, um, the things that we do, like just in that moment, because my heart could not, and my mind could not fathom that a the loving God that I knew and mm-hmm. grew up with in his grace had allowed this, mm-hmm. like, and my brain for a long time, I think I just thought he fell asleep. Mm. Elijah died. Mm. That's our, my second son. And then God woke up again. Mm. And so I wasn't ready for months and months to integrate the part that no he was ushering him into heaven Mm. and he was not where I wanted him to be in that moment. I wanted him to be saving him. And so it started a huge, I don't know. You just don't know what you're made of. You don't know what your face made of. I think until you start some of these wrestlings with God and I wrestled, um, the initial was like a 10 month wrestle. I stepped out of work. I took a leave. Um, just working in the field that we're in. If I can't, Mm. I need time. Mm. I needed a lot of time to heal physically, but also emotionally and spiritually and needed to figure out where I landed. So it started a huge grief process Mm. that I knew very little about. Like I had lost a grandpa up to that point. I think I have, yeah, I'd watched different things, Mm -hmm. but I hadn't really personally experienced like what did this look like for me? And yeah, learned so much in that journey that I like, I learned pieces that I am a tangible griever. So I actually, the gravesite was comforting for Mm -hmm. me where some people don't need to go. I needed to go and felt the presence of God in a huge way there. And so, Mm -hmm. yeah, I think those are the pieces that 
but yeah, and I, I had people and that's, you know, we'll talk about community, but my community loved us well, mm-hmm. and they loved us very practically for a long season um, and things that you just don't have the capacity for. Mm-hmm. And things that are suddenly overwhelming, like grocery shopping, that you once, you know, were a very competent individual. And so I think us just learning also, I've now unfortunately walked with many others Mm -hmm. through really hard seasons of loss, but just knowing how to step in and knowing to be okay with the uncomfortable and knowing that I don't need to have the answers. Mm -hmm. And that's the biggest thing is people in my world, I just wanted them to witness my grief. I didn't want them to have the answers. And to this day, like I've always said, don't put a pretty bow on my loss because God knows I'm not okay with it. Mm -hmm. I'm okay that Elijah never knew pain. He went from my womb, I truly believe, to the arms of Jesus. And I have perfect peace there. But don't put a bow on it because in a perfect world, this wouldn't have been the outcome. Right, right, right. Um, Gosh, there's there's so much, I feel like, with what you've already shared to unpack. Um, and, you know, anybody, if, if they've been listening to Mercy Talk for a long time, they even know, you know, some of the parts of my story that I've shared on this podcast about, you know, our loss um, of a baby years ago. And it was kind of like you said, it was like the first time I had really had to wrestle with some things. And it's almost like, it's almost like the first time you have like something that hits really, really close to home and is very, very personal. It's like, whoa, I, like you said, you learn a lot about yourself. Um, Mm -hmm. And it, and to be honest, I, you know, you can't compare losses and you can't compare grief, but you know, I've since walked through the tragedy of losing my dad and I'm like, it was a different experience. And if, if losing my dad was the first significant loss in my life, it might've looked a little different, but I think there was a Mm. lot that the Lord uncovered and showed me in that really first significant loss that even in some ways has actually kind of helped prepare me for future losses and some of the things that maybe I would have really, really, really wrestled and struggled with in losing my dad. Maybe I didn't have to because I had done a whole lot of work <laughs> the first time around. Again, I don't I don't at all mean to compare losses like, oh, mm-hmm. this one was harder than this one. But it's more just to say that that very first one that is like very, very close to home or maybe very hard or tragic for someone that 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 is a massive learning experience and it uncovers a lot and um, you have to go on a journey with the Lord. And I think as you've already described, you know, this podcast is not on this topic, but I don't think that you can separate the topic of grief with the topic of anger at God. Um, Because most people, I feel like in their journey through grief, at some point come to a crossroads of like, okay, Lord, (laughs) I'm not really sure how I feel about you right now in this situation. And um, if they're being honest, I guess I should say, if someone's being very honest, um, most people are going to get hit that crossroads. And, and so I think it's really important at least to just hit there for a moment that, you know, this is a topic I'm extremely passionate about because this was very, very real for me. I mean, like my anger at the Lord and my rage at the Lord was so significant that like you even kind of shared a little bit, 
Like I had to step back and be like, I'm not even sure how I feel about you at all. Like I need to, I need to relook at everything. <laughs> and like you said, with what we do in our line of work, I mean, this is kind of important. You know, it's like, you can't just kind of fake your way through this. Like I need to know how I feel about just the character of God. I need to know what is actually true. I mean, there were days where I was like, I don't even know if I know about you at all. Like, are you even, mm-hmm. even real? Like, what am I doing here? You know, kind of thing. I mean, it was, it was some really hard mm-hmm. questions that I had to wrestle with. But I think what was the most important thing that I learned through that season was that you absolutely have got to take every ounce of your rage, all of your questions, all of your doubts, you got to take them all to him. You just have to. I mean, if you hold those things back from him, there is forever and always going to be a massive block in your relationship with the Lord. Because I think intimacy happens when we truly give all of ourselves to another, right? And so if I'm holding back some of my own thoughts and feelings and questions from the Lord, if I'm holding some of that back, then there is going to be a wedge in our in our relationship. And so it was like, okay, I'm gonna have to bring all of this. I'm gonna have to be really, really honest about how I feel about you right now, Lord. And let's just go there. I mean, for me, it wasn't like a book or a song that, you know, everything magically turned around for me. It was like me going hardcore (laughs) with the Lord, just me and the Lord in a room and me just like pouring out my heart, but then also allowing that space for him to speak back. I mean, cause I was having to ask Mm -hmm. things like, okay, I'm going to need you to speak for yourself right now. Like I, I, you know, Mm -hmm. this is how I feel about you. You have the floor now, Mm -hmm. (laughs) you know? And it was in those moments together with the Lord and truly him speaking to me in those in those times with him, um, where healing happened. And, and I think like you said, it, you don't always get the answers and I didn't. And I, and it didn't mean I, I didn't, I, I still had to bring the questions. I still had to lay them all out mm-hmm. there, but I didn't get all the answers. And, and mm-hmm. it, in that process, there are still questions that I might have, but the questions just seemed to lose a lot of their power and, and necessity in being answered. It was like, as he was revealing more of himself to me and his heart to me and who he is to me, the questions started to get a little less loud. You know, it was like, okay, I don't mm-hmm. actually have to have all of these answered. I can still truly be at peace um, without knowing all of the whys, which again, I mean, we all know we're not going to know all the answers. <laughs> we're not going to get all the answers. Um, and so I just think it's so important to highlight that Mm -hmm. yeah I think it's yeah it's interesting because like I would have people say to me God is good and I was like you keep saying that to me because right now I don't feel it I know it to be true in my head but in my heart it's not what I'm experiencing and then I think God is just so gracious to meet us in different um, spaces Mm -hmm. with him as we give him room. But he told me early on, like three days in, in the hospital, he said, you will heal in community or you won't heal mm. at all. And I, I just continued to tell him, I'm not speaking to you right mm. now. And I tucked it, but it was very true mm. either. And that was my way through healing. And that was his heart for me. Cause there was, uh, you know, when you think you're walking in community and then he's mm. like, mm, yeah. but are you? Yeah. And then you realize you're not. Uh-huh. And so yeah. And, and you'll find your places, like you said, tucking in with you and him. Mine was, I learned what it is to lament. I wailed at the, at the grave site. Mm-hmm. I did a huge portion of my grieving there. And so grief is very personal. That's why I say, take the cap off to what you That's might right. need to do and do it your way. I uh, took a balloon. It's a boy balloon. Cause I, 
um, was gassed because he was a very traumatic birth because mm-hmm. um, things went sideways. And I woke up to uh, we lost him. And so I didn't even get to celebrate because I didn't know we were having a boy, mm-hmm. a second boy. And so I took a balloon one day and put it at the gravesite. And I thought people, if they could see me, would think, hmm, I'm not sure if she's going to make it right. through this. Somebody, somebody me, needs to that go. Was yeah. Like, yeah. That was my way through yeah. grief. And I needed that moment to just be like, you know what? I had a son. Mm-hmm. Because in that moment, sorrow hit and grief hit and stole that. So it was a reclaiming mm-hmm. of just had a boy mm, that's right what a miracle yeah. and so yeah I just think it it's allowing yourself to do what you need to do in that space mm-hmm. and not being so worried about what people are going to say and think because mm-hmm. that's your way working right. through it so I think yeah okay. and I believe that like God gave me a window to heaven the gravesite, the clouds would part and then I believe that that was my space mm-hmm. that's and so I just yeah, I just think that he finds us if we're open to it, yeah. but it's just being okay. With I, I, I love that you're obviously highlighting how, how unique and personal the experience is. And so honestly, even in this podcast today, we're not going to talk through like, here's how you should do it. Here's how you should grieve and go through these steps. And yeah, I mean, there are some consistent experiences maybe here and there, but it is so, 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 so personal and so unique to each person that I think if you especially are, you know, grieving, even, even maybe it's the same loss that you're grieving alongside another person and to compare the way you're walking through it is just, it's, it's, it's a ridiculous thing to do because it is so unique to each person. And so, um, I think that that's really important, but uh, we haven't even really uh, actually gotten to a single question that we were going to discuss. <laughs> so maybe I'll, I'll try to go back to our script here <laughs> um, because I really do, I you know, um, I want to be able to dive into some of these just really great questions with you. But um, I would love to know just your thoughts on how we can allow, we've spoken already a little bit to this, but specifically how do we allow grief to, to really shape who we are and who we are becoming, because I think God has a much, much bigger picture for us in our seasons of grief and our seasons of loss. It's not just about that moment in time, but it's about him using grief and <clears throat> loss to, to truly shape who we are um, as people. So I'd love to hear just your thoughts on that. Yeah, I've been pondering that question. And I think really just if you embrace grief, then it's shaping who you are. I think if we stand Mm. at odds with it or try to avoid it or do all the things Mm. to run away from it, then I think uh, we miss out on what it can do for us. And so I think if we can learn to sit with it and embrace it and be okay with it, then then we move through it and it blends. How I think of grief is it, it suddenly, it's not at the front of our minds, but it blends into who we become. Mm which means that I hopefully can sit with others in their grief in a different capacity than I could before. And the uncomfortableness isn't so uncomfortable. That's good. That's good. And I think, yeah, like so many people talk about, we need people to witness and sit with Mm -hmm. us and hear our story. And that's how we move through and grieve. And so I think being able to do that, Mm -hmm. like, and, like grief changes us, how I live my life, my priorities, 
have been forever changed. Mm -hmm. My ability to sit with people and be present is, is I realize the preciousness of life and that we don't get moments back. Mm -hmm. And so that's where I hope I do life different Mm. because of that. Yeah. I remember um, someone telling me after, this was actually after I I lost my dad, he said, um, the only way to healing is through grieving. So if you think you can sidestep it and just like all of a sudden you just magically heal, it's just not the way it works. And he said, you really need to make friends with grief. And I was like, I hate you right now. (laughs) Do not say those words to me. But he said, you need to make friends and stop looking at grief as your enemy because grief Mm -hmm. is actually like your ticket to healing. And Mm -hmm. I did not like that at all, at all. Um, But it really made me, you know, like you said, I mean, you just said, don't stand at odds with it. Don't look at it as your enemy, but look at it as your friend and as an actual gift to you. Um, And, Mm -hmm. and that is, that is so much easier said than done. But um, I think like you said, it is truly, it is, it is going through that process, but also realizing that that process does not end. I am realizing that now I'm having to make friends with that reality as well. There's not a point until the day that Jesus returns that this is, that your grief is wrapped up with a bow. It's mm-hmm. as we say about healing on anything. I mean, we say this on Mercy Talk all the time. Healing comes in layers. Healing is a process. That's for anything in your life, including loss and grief. Um, but all of our all of our healing, um, mental, emotional, spiritual, all of those things, it comes in process. And that process doesn't actually come to full completion until the day we are with Jesus. And so to, to know that, to recognize that, that it's glory to glory, it's ongoing healing throughout your life. Um, you know, I believe that, we will all be, you know, if we will embrace that process of grief, we'll be in a different place with it in 10 years and in 20 years and in 30 years, you know, but yeah. it's not, it, there's not a point where it's like, I have now completed grief, right? And so mm-hmm. it's good to make friends with grief. And it's also good to make friends, I think, with the process of it. And I've, I've always said to someone, if you don't face off with it, it will face off oh, with yeah. you. It's the most inconvenient yes, moment. yes. So grief is already messy and you'll start bawling in a grocery store or hear a song or a memory or, or have mm-hmm. a smell come back. But if you don't, that will come back like just triple fold. Like I just think it will slam you in the face mm-hmm. and to the point that you actually have to face off. Yeah. It. So I was like, you can choose it and start having these inconvenient moments or it will come like just. Right. And like you, I mean, and as we, I kind of want to always make sure we circle back to the fact that we said this, you know, I think a lot of this conversation just by nature of what we're talking about is going to be associated a lot with the the loss of a person. But, but um, I just, like I shared at the beginning of this show, I mean, there have been seasons of grief that I never really dealt with that just kind of like pushed aside, like, Oh, the loss of a season or the loss of a friendship or the loss of this or that. And because I never really dealt with them and never really did go through the grieving process with those things, they came back in some really unhealthy and ugly patterns in my own life. And I'm like, where is this coming from? 
why am I being this way with this person or this situation or this thing at work or whatever? And so, and there have been times that the Lord has taken me back to, hey, you never actually grieve the loss of this. And so it's coming back in a really unhealthy pattern in your life. And so it can come back in big and small ways. And whether that grief again was like the death of a loved one um, or the loss of a season, you gotta, you gotta embrace that process with it. Um, and so <clears throat> I know you've spoken some to this, and I, I think it's so important because, as I said, even when we introduced this show, if you aren't walking through a season of grief, you probably know someone who is. And so how how would you say that we can really give space um, for our own grief, obviously, but also for others um, to give them space for their grief? What are some ways that we can do that? Uh, I think the biggest thing, Mel, is just not feeling like you have to have the answers. Mm-hmm. I think just allowing space for people to be where they are and know and validate them and hear them and not give them advice Mm. or try to fix it, but just be present with them in their grief. Mm. And I think that alone will give them the breathability space. And I think having community that will call us on our grief, like when we're not addressing it and, and in a loving way, be like, Hey, this is a little concerning to me or, Hey, like I, um, I had a blanket and we draped, um, like Elijah's coffin with it and I slept with it for months. Mm. And then God was like, it's, it's time to put it Mm. away. And so I needed the support of my close friends to do that. Um, Right. To, to, to release that and, and to realize that, okay, God's got me. Right. And he wanted me to be, my comforter. Mm-hmm. And so being able to transition. And so I think just having friends that that hold us to that even like, hey, did you take out the blanket mm-hmm. again today? Mm-hmm. <laughs> and being like, uh, mm. yeah, right. But those are like, where we need the loving support of those who want to see us. That's the moving through it, but also giving space, right? Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. yeah, I had a I had a cardigan I had to get rid of. It was my grief cloak and I felt mm-hmm. it and it had a weight to it and it was heavy. And mm-hmm. then there was a time where God said, it's time to take it off. Mm-hmm. And I literally had to give it to a friend to say, get rid of it. Because if right. I leave it yeah. anywhere here, it's a temptation. Yeah. <laughs> it go back uh, on me and it was black. Right. And wow. so I just think it's having people in your world too that can really walk with you. Mm-hmm. That's so, that's so and support so you. Yeah. Yeah. So I think, yeah, it's the, and then as we grieve, it gives other people the space mm-hmm. to grieve. Yeah. And so, yeah. And with no expectations. Right. Right. Which I think, you know, again, if, if, if there are people listening who maybe haven't, haven't had like close encounters with really intense grief yet. Um, it can be, it can be uh, challenging to maybe kind of even understand the reality that like it doesn't end. Um, it, it might um, take different shapes and forms throughout life, but to have so mm-hmm. much long suffering and patience with people in knowing that um, there's not a timeline on it and being willing to okay. still walk with in grace, love um, with people is, is so good. And, and I, I love what you shared about, it was made me think about something that at our empower workshop, we uh, often share 
it's a quote from uh, Dr. Kurt Thompson. He said, what people, you know, when they're, when they're being vulnerable with us, what they need most from us is our is simply our empathic presence. That's all that they need. And he's, mm-hmm. and he shares about that, that, you know, it's our own discomfort with vulnerability that makes us feel like we need to say something, we need to have a word of advice, we need to, you know, if we aren't comfortable, even even in our own, our own vulnerability, if we aren't comfortable mm-hmm. with that, we definitely can't be comfortable with others. And that is what that is what we get so uncomfortable in those moments that we feel like we need to say something to kind of like end it or cut it off or move on. Um, and that can be really, really hurtful for people in, in those seasons. And I will say too, and I don't know if you would agree with this, this might just be a personal thing, but I know for me, uh, you know, in the, in the weeks immediately following the loss of my dad, um, I remember being around people and it was like, they had this knowing look in their eye. Like we know what just happened to you, but it was like, you could almost see it all over them. Like, I don't want to bring it up. I don't want to bring it up. I don't want to bring it up. And I remember at one point, I don't know if I like posted this or if I shared this with a group of people, I don't remember what, but I remember verbalizing, if you are scared to ask me how I'm doing with the loss of my dad, (laughs) you're actually missing where I am at all times. If you think that you bringing that up is going to make me sad, (laughs) like I'm already sad. I'm sad about Mm -hmm. this all the time. I think about my dad all the time. So you asking me how I'm doing or you bringing that up in conversation is simply meeting me where I already am. You're not going to like take me down this like broken like, oh, I haven't thought about that today. Now I'm going to be really sad because you asked me about it. No, I'm already there. So by you engaging me in that and asking me how I'm doing you're just meeting me where I am. And I'm not saying that about, mm-hmm. but specifically in those seasons right after loss, like I just, I desperately wanted people to just say, Hey, how are you doing? Like I wanted that personally. Mm-hmm. Um, and you know, mm-hmm. depending on the moment in the day, I might be like, you know what? I'm okay. And I'm just like, maybe not in the mood to talk about it at the moment, but usually more times than not, it was like, thank you just for asking mm-hmm. and acknowledging that I am in a season of grief right now. Like, thank you for meeting with me where I am right now. I was never offended or annoyed when someone asked me how I was. <laughs> so yeah. And to take that a step further, someone said to me, like, I still get texts on his birthday. Yes. Like he, he lived and died on the same day and there's still precious people. And someone said to me, wait a second, you mean that doesn't, um, mm-hmm. make your grief worse. Mm-hmm. And I was like, no, oh my goodness, yeah. because I'm, my heart is forever there on that moment. That's right. And you reaching out means that his life mattered. That's right. And that's what I long to know that yeah. he left an impact. And yes. so you, um, like you said, engaging with it is not making it worse. No, it's just, it's meeting me. It's meeting you where you already are. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. That's right. I, I remember hearing, <clears throat> I don't know if I, I don't know where, where this came from, but I just, I very much experienced, you know, grieving is hard, but grieving alone is like unbearable. I mean, 
it's it's a hard it's a hard process but when you feel like you are alone and isolated in it it's 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 too much it's just too much and so i i love that you know it's interesting that you like now when i know people who that i love have lost like a, a significant person in their life i now put it in my phone like the anniversary of so and so's death the anniversary of the so that i can reach out to my friend on those days i mean you know i don't do it for like every single person that i know but for those who i'm close mm -hmm. to like i'm like i'm gonna be reaching out to them every single year on this day i mean i just a couple of days ago was the four-year anniversary of our miscarriage and i got a text from one of my very closest friends saying happy birthday to baby samuel today and i was like oh my word wow. like i I don't even know how to tell you what that meant to me that day because I, I'm like, no one else is thinking about this today. I'm the only one, like me and my husband are the only two people thinking about this today, you know, and to know that we were not alone in that just meant the world. So I think those are just some really practical, 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 doable things. I think that could be a, a real word, practical, uh, practical and doable things that you can do to love and support people that you know who, who are walking through that. And also just remember it doesn't end. Things get quiet a few months That's into right. grief and it doesn't end. So keep bringing groceries yes. and meals and loving on those in your community who are grieving because yes. it's hard work and doing some of those things you just don't feel like you have the capacity That's for. Right. So I had people come clean my house, which was like horrifying for me, but like just, <laughs> mm -hmm, just mm -hmm, love. Mm -hmm. And like, God was like, you'll learn to receive Rochelle because you can yeah, give it yeah, and give it and yeah. give it, but you're going to learn to receive. Yeah. And so I just think, and don't wait to be asked. Oh, yeah. Because people don't know what That's they need right. and they don't know how to reach out. So you show up with a coffee. That's I had so many people show up on my doorstep. And you know what? If they called ahead, I wouldn't have answered. Yeah, yeah. And so they just show up yeah. and they put me in a park chair and they let you to play with their kids because he was five at the time. And they'd expect nothing of me mm -hmm. but to be outside, breathing fresh air, drinking mm -hmm. coffee, which is my love. So good. That's so and good. so I think yeah. like learn how people receive love in your world and just lavish them and keep lavishing them mm -hmm. because it doesn't, it doesn't go away. Mm -hmm. And it's the six months and the nine months and all those, those first, mm -hmm. it doesn't get easier when you hit the second, mm -hmm. but the first are just totally mm -hmm. raw. Mm -hmm. And in fact, you know what I've, I've heard from many people as we, and especially as my mom are moving into year two after the loss of my dad, we've heard from many people that year two was actually much harder than year one, because in some mm -hmm. ways, year one, you're kind of geared up for it. You know, it's like the first anniversary of this, the first anniversary, the first Christmas, the first Thanksgiving, you know, but like year two, you don't realize and it, it just punches you in the gut, you know. And so I, I just think that's important for people to know and recognize for the people that you love. Like, you know, it's hard at first, but it actually sometimes gets harder over time mm -hmm. in some ways. Yeah. And so just to be aware of that for people, I think is so, so important. Um, gosh, I love so many things that you just <clears throat> shared of just practical ways to really love. And um, uh, you've kind of already alluded to this, but I'd love to even jump into how, when you are having to be the recipient of those things, how do you allow your community to care and to meet you in your own grief? Well, I'm a wrestler by nature. So I fight things that I don't have to. Okay. <laughs> so I think it's um, allowing them. I think it's learning to receive. Like it's so biblical. God tells us that we need to learn how to give, but we also need to know how to receive. And so I think it's just 
very simply letting other people in, Mm -hmm. letting them see that's a depth and a vulnerability, but giving them that precious gift of seeing Mm -hmm. your heart, even if it's messy, even if it doesn't make sense. My friends didn't judge me. They didn't tell me, oh, you're no longer Christian. Like they just lavished Mm -hmm. the love of God. Mm -hmm. And so I think we just, we sit and we be the hands and feet. And how do we receive? We just, we do it. And Mm -hmm. I would wrestle with God and I would, I would fight with him. And then I would let people love me Mm -hmm. and I would heal a bit. And then I would fight with him again and let people love me. And like, I wasn't a hugger before I lost Elijah. Like, like it changed my makeup. Like wow. I was like physical touch. That's I was like, I had Judah held hands, but I was like, hmm. and then like literally people came to, and I didn't want people to come to the hospital because I thought then I actually have to accept this is mm. real. Mm. And people would come who are like not huggers in my world and would hold me. And I'd be like, why are you holding me? And they're like, because God told me to. Mm. And like Mel, that continued for like a straight year. Mm. I was like, that's a lot ah. of hugs. Like all these people would hold me and like prolonged hugs, like not even short ones. Mm. And, and then I was like, and then suddenly I su- would learn mm. to sink into it. And suddenly I realized how much I needed wow. it because the loss was so um, personal. And, and so that was a way that God was healing me. But whew, wow, I was like. Really? Wow. But yeah, and people who are like, I don't even like hugging, and I've been told to come hug you. I was like, oh, really is from God. (laughs) You don't like hugging. Oh my goodness. (laughs) Wow. And now you're a hugger. Just like that. Wow. Wow. That's amazing. Yes. Like times 20, probably. (laughs) So it's it's probably fiercely, I like, yeah, very physical touch. But that's probably, I'm a tangible griever. Like yeah. all these things we learn about ourselves, I process emotion. I think all of this is very integrated for me. So yeah, yeah. how do we let people, we just do. Mm-hmm. And we don't worry about the state of our life or our house mm-hmm. or what's done or what isn't done. And we let those people up close mm-hmm. because then when they go through those hard days, they let us up close. Yeah. And that's the truest gift is we want to be seen and known and loved mm-hmm in those places. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And so we have to allow others to do it if we're going to do it for that's them. Right, right? That's right. And so it goes both ways. So I just think, yeah. And the depth of your and relationship I'll, with those people will never be the same ever. When people have seen you no. in your darkest, lowest and been there and supported you, like there is a connection and a bond with those people that will forever be changed because you allowed that and they leaned into that. Yeah. And like, I'll tell you, like, if you talk about the hand of God and how he weaves our lives, probably, I want to say it was eight years prior to losing Elijah. I should actually learn the, I stood at a friend's gravesite mm. as they buried their third mm. um, child, a little girl um, who we all thought she would just live with some challenges. Mm-hmm. And I remember I stood there and, um, uh, they were full-time pastors. And I, I just, I looked at her and I said, I don't know if I, if I stand where you are one day, I don't know mm-hmm. if I would still have a relationship with God mm-hmm. and still be walking with him. Mm-hmm. And I sent her the CD that has never let go on it mm-hmm. with a note that this is for you. Well, three months after losing Elijah, she sent it. Wow. 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 And used, and she was like, you need this now more than it. Mm. And I thought the things that we say mm. and have no 
realization of what's coming out of our mouth, but the weaving of God, right? Because she was, yeah, just a real gem um, and a precious gift as I walked the journey of grief because she helped normalize. And I think that helped too, like just to know, I said, I don't have capacity. I can't do small talk anymore. Well, this, like, it's terrible. Like what what happened to me? And she was like, it will come back. Like you're just, you're tanked. Right. Just, just it's okay. Right. And so I'd be like, okay gonna give it time, right right and so also having people who can normalize mm-hmm. it for us makes you feel like mm-hmm. okay that that community of people who who have walked through something maybe similar maybe even are walking I mean I will say that like um you know sometimes being in grief groups can be can be really helpful for people for if for no other reason than for that to be like okay I'm not crazy. Like I'm not losing my mind that I'm walking through this because that person over there said they are too. Okay. This must be part of the process. We're okay. <laughs> like, you know, I think sometimes just having even that kind of community um, in those, in those different seasons is really, can be really helpful as well. Um, mm-hmm. Is there anything else that you would say um, as just, just as far as how, you know, as you're walking through this process, even just ways to not allow yourself to get stuck in grief. I mean, we've talked about how there's a process involved, but is there anything that you would even speak to as far as kind of just, I don't know, signposts of like, okay, I'm not moving forward here. I think I'm getting kind of a little bit stuck here um, and, and how to get out of that. Well, I think you hit it on the head right there, movement. I think if you're moving in grief, you're probably not getting stuck or stagnant. Mm. Um, mm. The other things that I think is is your communion with God and allowing him to speak into those places and letting your community, those close, close people speak into those places. Like even when I talk about like the blanket or the cardigan that had to go, like letting people speak and walk with you. Cause those are places I could have got stuck and left everything as is. Mm-hmm. And it probably wouldn't have been the best thing for mm-hmm. me. And so having people support you in those places, yeah. like, and just, yeah, for me, I had to put away the baby things, even though there was a hope for mm. another in that season, they had to be. So I had one friend step in and return everything that she could. Mm right? Because that was for Elijah. Mm. And then the things that I couldn't, it was just, do I want to keep it and tuck it away? Or am I giving it away? And just learning to bless. Mm. Like I remember when God said, give all your maternity clothes to someone and I wept, Mm. but I needed to release it because they were, yeah, they were a part of a joyous um, event, but just held a weight of what Mm. had then Mm. come. So And so I just think, yeah, if you're walking with community, if you have close people around you and you're communing with God, Mm -hmm. I think the possibility is less. I think it's when we're alone. It's good. That we tend to get stuck. And I think it's also as long as you're moving Mm -hmm. and it doesn't, I'm not talking leaps and bounds Mm -hmm. as long as you're moving. Yeah. Yeah. I think you're, you're, you're engaging in your grief and with your grief. Yeah. That's so good. And I think something that you just shared is definitely worth highlighting again of just the importance of knowing how to walk with the Lord, how to hear from the Lord. Um, I just, I don't know. It's like as, as every year of my own life passes, I'm realizing more and more just how vitally important it is that 
that we know how to hear from the Lord and how to receive from the Lord. And I'm so grateful. I mean, it's been much later in my life that I even learned that that was a thing, much less learned how to walk in that, you know. But I'm so thankful that I had learned that before dark seasons of grief happened in my life because it was only in that communion with the Lord um, being, you know, complimented by relationships and community outside of that. But it was in those times with the Lord that my healing happened. And I'm like, okay, if I did not know how to, if I did not know how to connect with the Lord in that way and how to access the Lord in that way, I don't know what would have happened. (laughs) Like, I really don't know what would have happened. Mm -hmm. And truly, like you even said, the fact that the Lord gave you some really specific and practical things on your journey of like, it's time to do this. It's time to let this go. Mm -hmm. It's time to now do this. Um, I just think about even even times in the last few months as I've been walking through grieving my dad, I'm like, the Lord has given me some practical things. Like this is this is what this looks like for you next, you know? And so it's so personal and it's so unique. So I just think that piece is very, very vital for anyone listening who's either in that or maybe you're not in that. Maybe you're like, things are going okay for me right now. <laughs> if you have not kind of uh, learned how to walk with the Lord in that kind of communion where you know how to hear from Him and receive from Him, man, we've got so many resources for that. Um, One of them being just even that's a portion of our Keys to Freedom study here. There's nothing that I could encourage you to do more than to grow in that and to learn that because when your seasons come, you're going to be so thankful that you already know how to walk in that kind of relationship with the Lord. Um, That's just a, that's just been vitally important for me. And I feel like is, 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 is a big piece of, of the grieving process. And I also just love that you, that you shared, like you just got to keep allowing the process to unfold. I, I know that for me, every time I feel myself pushing against something or I feel an emotion coming up and I start trying to press it down or I'm like, I could go there, but I don't want to go there with a conversation or like every time I start feeling myself resisting, I know that's like red flag, red flag. You're missing an opportunity for the next layer of healing. Every time I allow myself to just weep, there's a healing that happens in that process. And if I p- mm-hmm. suppress it or push it aside or try not to let it happen, I'm missing out on the opportunity for healing and I'm not allowing myself to move forward. It feels like you're going backwards in those moments, but in fact, you are moving forwards. And so I think for, for us to realize that we have to allow that process to unfold and not suppress or push aside or run away from. And when you feel that happening, you're missing the opportunity for the next layer of healing. And you can find yourself getting stuck, like you said. Mm-hmm. And I think just don't think you have, you also do not feel the pressure. You don't have to know what's next. Yeah. Because if God had told me what was next, like I went to a worship night and God told me to hold someone's baby. Mm. And I was like, I don't mm. want to hold their baby. Mm-hmm. No, thank you. But did I? And then Judah came over and he looked at all his fingers and toes and he like, he just awed over this little creature Mm -hmm. because he was so ready to be a big brother and he did hold Elijah and he was a part of that whole process as we say goodbye to him but him something happened for his healing in that Mm -hmm. moment that was really part of my healing but it was like if God had told me you're going to go to this event and hold a baby I'd be like "Mm, I'm looking at it and say it at home thank you yeah yeah so I just think also be okay to step in and like you said when you feel the nervousness or the like I just feel 
uncertain. Mm-hmm. And then it's like, okay, just breathe, mm-hmm. Rochelle. Like my my role is to breathe mm-hmm. and I'll take your lead at this mm-hmm. point. So I think just, yeah. And like I took my night nurse flowers and it was the weirdest thing. And if someone had said, you're going to do this about nine months in, I took her roses and uh, this lady wept. She'd been a nurse for like 32 years and she was about to retire. And she said, why me? In my career, no one has come back to thank me. Mm-hmm. Many have come back to do the opposite. And I said, because you entered into my darkest moment. She was my night nurse for four nights. And I said, because you entered in and met me there and didn't mm-hmm. say that you knew what to do. Mm-hmm. But you just met me. Mm-hmm. And she was like God's, like literally God's grace in those nights. Mm-hmm. And she she wept. And then her supervisor emailed me after and said, you have made her nursing career. Like I said to her, I walk with God and have a relationship. And he told me to come back and honor you. And so that's what I'm doing for your service to me in Mm. my most vulnerable place. You Mm. met me and like her supervisor emailed me and said, you've made her nursing career. Wow. And I thought something like how humbling, like Mm. I'm not so great. How many times Mm. do I not do that? Mm. But then I thought in one moment I did, it's so humbling. God, let me be so obedient when you ask me to do stuff. Because I was like, what am I doing? Like, this is just ridiculous. Yeah. You know, I got to email the supervisor, make a plan. They got to pull her off the floor, do the, you know, yeah. and you think it's so much trouble. Yeah. But it was like, oh, you were doing something outside of me. Yeah. As well as healing me. Because right. I stepped back into the hospital. Right. Because that was another step even in your own journey and healing. Wow. Mm-hmm. Wow. Wow. Yeah. That's amazing. What a powerful story that I know is just continuing to unfold. Um I, is there any final encouragements? I feel like we could just talk on this for hours and hours, but um, is there anything I've, I've reached the end of our question list here, but I don't want to, I don't want to wrap this thing up without just, you know, if there's anything else, any final encouragements or thoughts that you have on this topic before we wrap up today? I don't think so. Mm -hmm. Like, I think, yeah, just be okay to be uncomfortable. Mm -hmm. If you're the one grieving or if you're the one alongside. Yep. Yeah. Be okay with that. And, uh, yeah, I think I just, yeah, it becomes when it becomes a part of our story, then I think it's the beauty of watching because like you have done and I just said, God, use it mm-hmm. when, it, when you're ready, like do something right. with it. And so just not that it ever makes it okay. Mm-hmm. I would never go back and choose it. Mm-hmm in the sense to unfold this way, but God do something with the pain. Mm-hmm. And so getting to see what he does with our pain as it not only transforms us, but what he uses it in our story. I've talked to a room full of doctors and nurses in their trainings about grief. And like mm-hmm. God has opened up so many doors that I never would have said yes to, mm-hmm. but I have because I'm like, make something, make, make That's his right. life matter, make him leave right. a mark here on this earth. And so I think if we allow him, our grief impacts others Mm -hmm. and it impacts, yeah, how they live out their lives. So I just think, yeah. Well, Rochelle, you are clearly doing that. And I, I don't know. I just feel like I've been in a (laughs) sacred space today, just listening to your story and to truly, I mean, it's just, it's inspiring to hear how you have allowed the Lord to move in that. And I just, it just makes me think, man, I mean, the enemy wants to use this stuff to take us out. And when you can turn that around and say, Lord, I'm going to need you to take this grief and this pain. And I want every good thing out of it 
for myself, for the world around me. Like, I want to kick the enemy's teeth in with this one because he wants to take me out. But no, we're going to turn this thing around on its head. And so I just love how you've done that. And I just honor you in that. And I just thank you for that. And thank you for for sharing all of this with us today. Um, it's, it's truly been inspiring to me. So um, I, one of the questions we love to ask all of our guests on Mercy Talk to wrap it all up is, um, because this is what our show is all about. I love taking notes on what one thing you are doing on a regular basis to serve your own mental, emotional, or spiritual health. It's a great question. Yeah. I was thinking, what are all the typical answers? Because I don't want to give them to you. There's not. Um, <laughs> I mean, it's been, it's, it's been a wide range thus far. So I love hearing these ideas. Mine is unique in the sense I hike mountains. Mm -hmm. And so I do something that challenges me because it reminds me of the grit that I need in my everyday life. So yeah. it's a weird one. So I would say find something that challenges you to the brink because it's developing something in you. And I, we have hiked, like my son, I drag up some mountains too. He's a spicy teenager, nice. we'll call him. And spicy. Yeah, so, uh, and sassy too. And we, sometimes we get to the top and there's no view. And he's like, well, mom, what was the point? I said, to remember that you can do this. Hmm. And to remember that even though I can't see, I know what's there. And how yes. often with God, even though I cannot see, I know you're there, God. And so I have revelation yeah. after revelation with God out there. So I just think challenge yourself somewhere because you realize what you're made of. And that grit is transferable in our lives. And so, yeah, I love it. That's kind of my, that's thing. good. That's good. <laughs> I was going for more like go relax, <laughs> go relax at this <laughs> local spa. And you're like, go challenge yourself and hike a mountain. I'm like, oh man, okay, that's a different level of self-care there, but um, that's good. I love oh, it. I like both. <laughs> yeah. Don't worry, I like both. And my reward is like a local coffee shop. <laughs> there you go. They're, they're like their brand. When I hike somewhere, I'm like, give me the local beans. Oh, and I like it. That's what I'm nice. like. The local yeah, my reward. That's so good. That's so good. Uh, Rochelle, thank you so much for your time today. Um, like I said, this has just been, this has really been a blessing for me personally, just to hear from you. Um, and I, I think really is going to encourage a lot of people. So we're just so grateful for your time. Mm, thanks for having me, Mel. It was great to be with you. Awesome. Well, again, we hope that you um, have been encouraged by this conversation today. Um, as always, uh, as we wrap the show up, uh, if the content in these podcasts has been helpful, we're always so grateful if you are willing to just help us out by rating the show, writing a review wherever you listen. And also just for this specific show, I just feel like uh, there's someone in your life who needs to hear this and be encouraged by this. So we just would ask you to share this with people that you think need to hear it. And um, as always, if you have thoughts or questions about anything that we have discussed, and if you just have ideas for future podcast topics. We are always all ears here. So let us know by emailing us at mercytalk at mercymultiplied.com. And to find out more about Mercy Multiply, you can head over to mercymultiplied.com. You can also find us on Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter at Mercy Multiplied. Thank you so much for joining us today. It's a wrap. <laughs>